Welcome to the Watoto Church Podcast. Prepare your heart as we explore scripture and delve into the Word of God. It's always an honor to open the Bible and to preach God's Word. And I'm excited to do that today as we continue on a series about the judgment of God. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, may the truth about the fact that you have set a day in your calendar when you will judge the whole earth. May that truth grip our hearts and help us to get ready. We thank you for that. Anoint your servant as he preaches this truth. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Jesus is coming back. We talked about that last week briefly. He's coming back to put an end to this madness and the rebellion of this world against his sovereignty. He's coming back to judge the nations, to judge the peoples, to judge the kings and the rulers of this world. It's all in the Bible. He's coming back to set up his eternal kingdom here on a new earth. The next event, next great event on God's prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church. Since Jesus died and broke loose from the grave, God will most certainly bring back those who died in Jesus. And then this, we can tell you with complete confidence, we have the master's word on it, that when the master, Jesus, comes again to get us, those of us who are still alive will not get a jump on the dead and leave them behind. In actual fact, they'll be ahead of us. The master himself will give the command, archangel thunder, God's trumpet blast, He'll come down from heaven and the dead in Christ will rise. They'll go first. Then the rest of us who are still alive at that time will be caught up with them into the clouds to meet the master. And then we begin the next part of God's program, his program for judgment of the earth. We talked about this last week. There are two resurrections, two deaths, and two judgments. The first death is physical death. Everyone is going to die. The separation of body and spirit. The second death is spiritual separation from God. Spiritual death. Only the unrepentant sinner will experience the death because believers have already passed from death to life on the basis of the resurrection of Jesus. And then you'll remember we talked about the two resurrections, which Jesus spoke of when he said the hour is coming in which all that are in their graves shall hear his voice and shall come to life. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. This is Jesus telling us there's two resurrections, one to life and one to death. The first resurrection is a resurrection of the believer to experience the first judgment, the judgment seat of Christ, which is a, is a judgment for the believer in order for him to receive a reward and his role in heaven and the kingdom of God. The second resurrection is for the second judgment. This is the judgment of those who did not receive Christ. It is a judgment for sin and for condemnation ending up in hell. Our only hope is Jesus, his death on our behalf, his resurrection to life. Well, as you read the Bible, the judgment of God is a very important subject. And there are principles throughout the Bible 
that I call principles of judgment. The Bible teaches us about the judgment of God. It's a foundational teaching of the word of God. And I want to give you eight different principles of judgment in the Bible very quickly today. Number one, judgment is certain. Number two, God is the judge. Number three, God has committed all judgment to his son, Jesus. Number four, judgment is based on truth. Number five, judgment is according to what we have done. Number six, judgment is without respect of persons. Number seven, judgment is according to the light that we have received. Number eight, there are different levels of punishment or reward. And number nine, judgment is in time and eternity. Let's talk about these eight things as we are made aware of the fact that God is going to judge the earth. Number one, judgment is certain. Our text is from Hebrews chapter nine, verse 27. It is appointed for man to die once. And after that comes judgment. You know, they say there are two things that are certain in life, death and taxes. Well, I want to add a third thing that is certain judgment. Every one of us are going to die. We have an appointment with death, but we also have an appointment to stand personally before Jesus, to give an account of our lives to him. Every person who ever lived will stand one day before Jesus and be judged for what he did. Acts chapter 17, verses 30 to 31 says, In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, idolatry, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice. By the man he has appointed, he has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. God has set into his prophetic time calendar a day that he calls judgment day. God is just, and because he is a just and a holy God, he must judge all sin. Like it or not, believe it or not, judgment is certain. Human judges may pervert justice and ignore justice, but Moses said, will not the judge of all the earth do right? He most certainly will, because God is a holy God and a just God, sin and rebellion will not go unpunished. Judgment is certain. That's the nature of God. Number two, God is our judge. The Bible says there is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. Who is the only one who is the lawgiver and the judge? Who is the only one who can save and destroy? Isaiah chapter 33, verse 22 says, For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. It is he who will save us. There is no salvation apart from God. Jesus said, Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Psalm 96, verse 13, let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes, he comes to judge the earth. 
He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in faithfulness. So it is God. It is the Lord who is the righteous judge. It is God who created you, who gave you your life, who will hold you accountable for what you did with your life. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he said, it is the Lord who judges me. God is the judge. No man is going to judge me or judge you. God, the one who created you, will call you to give an account to himself for what you did with what he gave you, your life. We need to remember, and this was written to Christians, Paul to the Hebrews, it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. God is love. We have a message of love. That's his nature. But God is not just love, he is also holy and just. Love, holiness, and justice demand that transgression of the law must be judged and the penalty for transgression imposed and paid. If God does not require justice, then he is no longer God. Jesus paid the penalty for our rebellion and sin. The wages of sin is death. Jesus paid it. Now what will you do with Jesus? Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should repent, uh, perish rather, but that all should come to repentance. Abraham said, when he was talking about the justice of God, far be it from you, God, to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you, will not the judge of all the earth do right? God is the judge. You cannot escape judgment. Number three, God the Father has committed all judgment to his son, Jesus. Jesus himself said in John chapter 5, verse 22, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son. Jesus judges on behalf of the Godhead. In Acts chapter 17, verse 31, Paul, speaking to the Athenians, said, for he, God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. Who is he appointed? The one that he gave proof of by raising him from the dead. Jesus is God's chief justice. Jesus is the one who died on the cross and therefore has the right to be your judge. Here's one of the most important questions you will ever be asked and you most certainly will be asked on your judgment day, what did you do with Jesus? My mandate as a pastor, as a preacher, is to testify to you, to announce to you that God has made this same Jesus not only the Savior by his death, but the judge of all by his resurrection. Will you believe in Christ and what he did for you and have life? Or will you reject him and face hell? Will Jesus be your savior or will Jesus be your judge? Peter preached at Cornelius's household about Jesus. He said, Jesus commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. 
Can I say to you that Jesus has commanded me to preach the same? And that's why I'm preaching this message to you. God the Father appointed Jesus to be the one who is the judge. John chapter 5 says, For as the Father has life in himself, so the Son has granted, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge. Why? Because he is the Son of Man. Jesus is the only person fit to judge because he is the Son of Man. He's a human person, but he was tempted in every way like us, but he never failed. He never sinned. That gives him the right to be the perfect judge. Not just the perfect Savior, but the perfect judge. You and I don't have the right to judge. We have failed, but not Jesus. Jesus understands and he judges rightly. And he has given himself for us so that we don't have to be judged. The man of the cross is the man of the empty tomb and he's the man on the judgment throne. He's equal to the Father. He is omnipotent. He is unlimited in power and he has power to judge and to carry out the sentence. He's omniscient. He knows it all. Nothing escapes his knowledge. He sees it all. Nothing you and I have done is hidden from Jesus. So he judges rightly. It's time to take this Jesus very, very seriously. So judgment is certain. God is the judge. God has committed all judgment to his son, Jesus. But number four, judgment, the Bible teaches us, is based upon truth. In Romans chapter 2, which is the great judgment chapter, which we read last week. This is what it says in verses one to two. You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. God's judgment this is a principle of judgment. It's based upon truth. Truth is ridiculed as irrelevant by some of the insane secular world. They say, what is your truth? But truth is truth and it's God's truth. And truth is always truth and truth sets free. Anything else is a lie. God's judgment is based upon truth. What do we mean by truth? Two things. His judgment is based upon his word because your word, the Bible says, is truth. And number two, what truly happened? What actually happened? First of all, the word. Your word is truth. You and I are going to be judged by the standard of God's word. This book that we call the Bible is God's revelation to us of right and wrong. God is the lawgiver, and he gave us the law in the Bible. He has the right to make the law because he is the creator. And the Bible is filled with stories of real men and women who fought the battle of right and wrong. No one will be able to answer God's righteous judgment with the excuse that he did not know what he was doing was right or wrong. Why? Because what was right and wrong is recorded in the word of God. You will be judged by the truth, by the word of God. You and I know what sin is. It's revealed in the word. 
The second way that we see truth is by what actually happened. Can I tell you something? There is a record in heaven of everything that you and I have done, everything that we've thought and everything that we've said. In Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15, we're told of the great white throne judgment of God and the books that are going to be opened to judge. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. It's like a video recording. It's a true, clear, undeniable evidence of our actions and our guilt. It is a true record of what actually happened. And there will be no secrets. Nothing will be hidden. Everything will be exposed to the light. You won't be able to lie and deny because it's recorded in the books and it will be shown to be true. Here's the good news. Faith in Christ removes and erases the recording. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. David cried out to God after his failure and his sin. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity, creating me a pure heart, O God. When we're born again, our sin is blotted out. We are justified. We are made just as if I'd never sinned. Wow. Psalm 103 verse 12 tells us, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Christ is our only hope. He died on the cross to pay the penalty, the penalty being death for our sin. He took my place. This is the amazing good news that we preach. You can receive the forgiveness of God on the basis of the judgment of Jesus, or you can go ahead and face the judgment yourself. Jesus was punished and judged in our place. He was crushed on the cross. And the Bible says God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Wow. One day we will all stand alone before God who created us and we will be called to give an account of our lives to him. We will be called to give an account for two things. One, what did you do with the life that I gave you? How did you live? Remember, everything that we did was recorded in the books. Number two, what did you do with Jesus? The greatest sin, the sin that will damn your soul for sure, the most reprehensible thing that you have ever done is rejected Jesus, God's son. So judgment is certain. God is the judge. God has committed all judgment to the son. And fourth, judgment is based upon truth. Number five, judgment is according to what we have done. The Bible says in Romans chapter two, verse six, and in fact, this is repeated throughout the Bible. God will repay each person according to what they have done. It's a principle of judgment. Jesus said, for the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels, and he will reward each person according to what they have done. The believer will be judged according to what they have done in order to receive a reward, not condemnation. Jesus took that. But those that have rejected Christ will be judged for what they have done because of their rejection. Their sin will damn them. 
Number six, judgment. Oh, this is so important. Judgment is without respect of person. The Bible says there is no respect of persons with God. God does not show favoritism. First Peter chapter one, verse 17 tells us that the father judges impartially. This is the Bible. When scripture tells us that God is impartial, it means that he does not bend or ignore the rules or the standards for certain individuals. We have a real problem with this in our world today. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your title is or what station in life you hold. It doesn't matter how much education you got. It doesn't matter how much wealth you possess and how much money you have in the bank. It doesn't matter what your father or your mother or your grandfather did. In the eyes of God, we are all the same. We are all accountable to God. Human judges might let an important official off the hook because of his important place in life. And sometimes when people become important, they think they can dodge the rules of justice. Not with God. He is impartial and he shows no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter who you are. You will stand before God to give an account of your life. And the greater you have and the more you have and the greater position you have in life, the greater will be God's call for you to give an account. Judgment is without respect of persons. Number seven, judgment is according to the light that we have received. All men will be judged because all men everywhere are aware of God. All men have received a measure of light. We read from Romans chapter one that creation reveals the nature of God. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Everybody has a measure of light. All you have to do is look at this amazing creation and you know there's an amazing God who has power and he's good. You know about the nature of God. You know that God is a holy God. It's, it's inborn in people from every tribe and every nation, there is this awareness that God is there. And if we simply cry out to God in our limited knowledge, he will respond to us. Each of us is fully aware of what is true. People anywhere around the world know what's right and they know what's wrong because it, it has been written into our hearts. We all carry an inborn awareness of right and wrong so that all of us are without excuse. Romans chapter two, verse 15 tells us the requirements of the law are written on our hearts, our consciences also bearing witnesses and our thoughts sometimes accusing us and at other times even defending us. We have a conscience, a God-given conscience that is a measure of light. Some people have received more light than others. The Jewish people received the first light. That's why they're held accountable first of all. And sometimes the judgment is even harsher. And the Bible goes on to teach us that men have taken this truth about God, this knowledge of God, and they have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And we have come to believe a lie instead of the truth. Even though we know in our hearts what is right and wrong. You can deny the existence of God, but that does not mean he does not exist. You have believed a lie. You can deny the judgment of God, 
You can remove his judgment from you and say it doesn't matter to me, but that doesn't mean it's true. You have believed a lie. To say that corruption is the foundation of a healthy economy is a clear demonstration that you have exchanged truth for a lie. People have made that a way of life to deny what's true, even though you know what's right. God has given every one of us a measure of light. Wicked men choose not to retain the knowledge of God and cast aside the truth and give themselves to over to all kinds of moral depravity, even though they know what is right. And for this, they will answer to God, the righteous judge. We all have access to an awareness of the standard which God holds us to. None of us have an excuse. Number eight, there are levels, different levels of punishment or reward. When Jesus preached in some of the towns in Israel, they refused to accept him. Even though he had performed miracles before their very eyes, they refused to repent. And this is what Jesus said to them. I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. Jesus sent his disciples to preach the good news. He told them, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that town, leave that home and shake the dust off of your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. When you reject the level of light that you have received from God, that's when you realize that there is a level of punishment for you. The more that is given to you, to whom much is given, much is required. You have heard the gospel preached to you many times. You know what the Bible says about truth and righteousness. You will be judged even harsher. I have to tell you these things. This is not an easy message, but it's the truth. Number nine, the final one. Judgment is in time and eternity. Hebrews chapter six talks about the doctrine of eternal punishment. This is the day of accountability and judgment that God has set in his calendar in the future. But there is also a judgment that takes place in time and in history. God judges and punishes people here and now because of their wickedness, their rebellion and their willful disregard for God here and now. This is judgment in time here and now. The greatest example is Israel. When she obeyed, she was blessed. When she rebelled, she was judged and punished. You can read about that in Leviticus chapter 26. It's a chapter announcing blessings or judgment on the nation because of the faithfulness of that nation or the failure of that nation. It happened in time. Exactly what God had prescribed took place. Our sin has consequence, not only for our future and for eternity, our sin has consequence here in time. The trauma that we face in, in this world is not because God is a big bad God who made a mistake. The problems we are facing in our world is a consequence of our sin as a nation or our sin as a community or our sin individually. God is not responsible for the pain and the hurt, the lawlessness and the rebellion. God is not responsible for the poverty and the hunger and the disease that surrounds us. We have made that because of our sins. It's punishment for us now. It's the natural consequence for rebellion against God. 
We reap what we sow. This is judgment in time. Any nation can experience the blessing of God or the judgment of God dependent on its faithfulness or its failure to God. I've lived in Uganda for almost 40 years. I've seen the best and I've seen the worst. I've seen a million people killed, innocent children and women killed in senseless civil war that was created by political greed and lust for power and money. I've seen refugees fleeing for their lives, leaving behind personal property and fertile planted fields. I've helped the child soldiers who were forced to slaughter some of their own family members. I've seen corrupt government officials plunder the wealth of this nation. And the list goes on and on. And the result is what we have today in Uganda, poverty and pain and disease and heartbreak. There's judgment in time and there's judgment also in eternity. Ananias and Sapphira died because of greed and pride when they lied to the Holy Spirit. It was judgment in time. God judged Sodom and Gomorrah. He judged the wicked world in Noah's day. These are all examples of judgment in time. The Bible says if we judge ourselves, we will not be judged. When we come to the communion table, judge ourselves. And then it says, because we don't judge ourselves, some of us are sick and some have died. That's judgment in time. First Corinthians chapter 11, that communion chapter says, if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. You and I need to repent for our willful, sinful, and rebellion against God, not just because of what's going to happen in the future, but because of what it does for us now and for our children and our grandchildren. It is true that we can live a quiet and peaceable life. So those are principles of judgment. I want to close. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back to make it all right and to set up his kingdom here on earth, a new heaven and a new earth. And we're going to rule with him. Before that, we will be judged. He's coming back to judge Christians for their work and reward them. He's coming back to judge those who refuse Christ so that they will be sent to hell. Acts chapter 17 again. God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising from him from the dead. Judgment day is coming. What will you do with God's solution? Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. We hope this encourages you to step into the new. Tune in next time as we delve into the Word of God. For comments and feedback or counseling, write to connect at watertochurch.com. Hey, hey,